It's your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to have you guys back for another day. Good one coming up today. Chris Hine joining me here on the show. Plenty to talk about with the Timberwolves. I know Royce and I covered a lot of ground on Monday, but after that, finding out that Rudy Gobert has in fact been suspended for tonight's play-in game against the Lakers for his role in the dust-up sideline altercation with Kyle Anderson on uh, on Sunday, during Sunday's game. So no Rudy Gobert tonight. I'll get into that with Chris Hine. We'll get into some of the bigger picture stuff from Sunday's incident. Um, preview the Lakers game, which you know was going to be a tall task already. Uh, no Naz Reed, no Jaden McDaniels, now no Rudy Gobert. But uh, you never know with this team. They're always uh, surprising us this season, uh, good and bad. So Chris and I will get into a lot of that perspective as well. Um, got some twin stuff towards the end of the show, something concerning me right now with them, even though they're generally playing pretty well this season. Uh, some wild thoughts here in a minute. But uh, first, what did I miss? Let's start with the WNBA draft and specifically the Lynx, who had the number two overall pick Monday night in the draft. No surprise, ending up with uh, Maryland wing Diamond Miller in the, in the draft. Um Someone who should come in and help them pretty much right away, a, a game-ready, a, a WNBA-ready athlete, WNBA-ready game already with, with how good she is. Um, and, you know, a, a, a time in their trajectory where, uh, where, they could use, where they could use some help. And this was a good year to have not only won the, uh, you know, moved up in the lottery from, from their original position all the way up to number uh, number two in the draft, but also to have five total picks. They had the number 12 pick, they had the number 16 pick, and then they had a couple later picks as well, 24 and 28. And you know, this is a team that's definitely in transition. Uh, maybe rebuild is even a uh, even even a word we would throw around with this team right now because missed the playoffs last season for the first time since 2010. And you know, really the dynasty that they had last decade from 2011 through 2017 really when they won four championships went to two other finals um that's starting to fade uh, right now it feels like it's you know still fairly recent but obviously none of those players are still on this team all of them have moved on retired in their careers uh, more or less so so you've got that piece to it you've got you know, the fact that they kind of had this resurgence after those players left, kind of building on uh, the likes of Nafisa Collier and uh, and still Sylvia Fowles for a lot of the years, but now Fowles is done. She uh, you know, she will be sent, uh, given a lot of her accolades this season after finishing her career a year ago. But finally time to really restock this team, to remake this team and, and see what that looks like. And it's kind of funny, I got a question a couple weeks ago um, on social media. Let's let's play the sounder right now. Time to check my social media. Yeah. To see who loves me online. Hashtag blessed life. Sherry wanted to know, will the Lynx win any games without a point guard or a center? How did they go from dynasty to holy bleep so quickly? 
Um, that's a fair question, and I don't think they necessarily addressed those two things immediately in the draft. Diamond Miller, of course, a, a wing, a, a large guard who can you know really play defense and you know really will impact the games. A player, a player they can certainly use, a player they need. And at number two overall, you don't really draft for position; you draft for um, you know best player available. Um, with the 12th overall pick, they took Maya Hirsch, uh, a French center who you know, will not be here this year. That is maybe addressing center for the future, but that's not going to help them in 2023. Number 16 pick took a Yukon uh, forward, a Dorka Yuhas, uh, and uh, you know again a, a, a tall player, but someone who's more of a forward than a true center. They did take Brea Beal, a North uh, South Carolina guard at 24, and another forward Taylor Sewell, uh, 28th overall from Virginia Tech. So I don't know if they addressed all of their needs right away, and they did. You know they did try to make a play in free agency for some, you know, some more up, some some bigger additions this year that did not work out. Um, but they're they're in a spot now where they're going to be. Really playing a lot of these young players. You know, Cheryl Reeve, head coach and uh, you know, president of the Lynx, said, "I felt like a partic- it felt like a particularly solid draft for us to have a really competitive training camp was a big deal for us. I think we accomplished that." Um, and she's basically saying that they will. You know, she said maybe. Unlike some years past, we are incredibly open-minded about who is on our roster and why. I think all the prospects should feel really good about coming to Minnesota Lynx training camp. They will be given a very good look and a chance to be on our team. Now, in the past, that's been maybe not the case. Um, you know, when, when the Lynx were loaded with players, again, during those dynasty years, it was very hard to make this team to break into this rotation. And, you know, all, all those years, they were not usually drafting very high either, so... Um, that added to the challenge. You're not getting, you know, those premium top five picks that can break in right away and play right away. Um, you know, but really looking to have some impact from from this draft to, to to get these players in right away to 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 play and maybe develop right away. It could be another you know another year where they have to kind of fight through some things to get better in the long run. But maybe that's what this franchise needs to get back to the place that it was last decade. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's try this again, Chris Hine. Um, just talked to you a little while ago for a recording for a Tuesday's show. Still going to use most of that, but we have an update now. Timberwolves have decided to give Rudy Gobert a one-game suspension. He will not be with the team Tuesday when they begin um, postseason play in Los Angeles against the Lakers um, sounds like he would be available, Chris, um, for any games after that, whether that's another play-in, whether that's the playoffs. But um, you know, based on your reporting, what what do you what do you think this what do you think this says that they decided to go and take this extra step of of suspending him for a game? They obviously are trying to send a message here of accountability and and it, that it doesn't matter how much you're making, doesn't matter how many draft picks they gave up to get you. Uh, you can't be taking a swing at a teammate in a huddle without repercussions. Um, so 
definitely a, a message being sent here one of one of accountability and you know a playing game to me is a is basically a playoff game and it's a significant suspension to me even if it is just one game i i, I think one play in game slash playoff game equals multiple regular season games at least in my in my eyes um so i think it is a a significant suspension. I wasn't sure if they were going to do it, but they they decided to do. It. I thought maybe sending him home at halftime might have been you know kind of discipline enough, um, or maybe that was their thinking. But they decide to they decide to hand him a one game suspension, and uh, you know he'll be back either Friday or in the first round of the playoffs. But yeah, this was a significant a significant step here for the team. Yeah, it, it certainly is, and you know it, it makes me wonder if. You know, this goes beyond just what happened on Sunday, but I guess that's probably something we'd have to sort out at the maybe at the end of the year or at a different time when maybe we know more of the more of the story of what this what this team kind of did in the more immediate what's known. I mean, you know, this is a this is a pretty big blow against the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers can can put out a pretty big lineup. Anthony Davis um, is a is a tough cover for Car Anthony Towns and and has been over the years. Gobert would have at least had a chance to slow him down. You want to want to as many big bodies as you can to try to limit Anthony Davis. Like tactically, what does this do to their chances against the Lakers? Without Jaden McDaniels too, um, you know, you're going to see Carl trying to guard AD and Anderson trying to guard LeBron, you know, Torian Prince probably getting in there on LeBron as well. Um, really, really just handicaps them from a defensive standpoint, not having both Gobert and McDaniels out there for this game. Um, you know, just, yeah. And for no good reason on, on both accounts, <laughs> 24 hours ago, they were both playing and now they're, and now they're not for, for different reasons. Um, just, just brutal, just absolutely brutal for, for the Timberwolves when it comes to this matchup. Um, you know, if there's a silver lining, Rudy had back spasms uh, headed into yesterday's game. So, you know, maybe he gets, he could stay back in Minnesota, get a couple extra days to rest his back. And then maybe he could be good to go by, by Friday. Um, You know, if they, should they lose on Tuesday? Listen, it's one game. Anything can happen. You know, Torian Prince went for 30 some points at Madison Square Garden a couple of weeks ago. Like anything can happen in a one game scenario. Um, so, but man, based on where they were 24 hours ago, it, the, this Lakers matchup to me became a lot tougher. Yeah, it does. And that, that, you know, as we'll get into in a little bit, changes the potential for who they could see in the first round. Um, so a, a lot, to, a lot going on here. I mean, or big picture organizationally. I mean, you just kind of think about, like you said, all they gave up for Gobert. And that was, you know, certainly with the regular season in mind, certainly with hoping to get a better playoff seed than what they've wound up now as the eight seed in the play in. But certainly, you know, the move was made with, you know, with the postseason in mind, with, you know, shoring up some of those rebounding problems they had against Memphis last year, shoring up the defense that can be such a uh, such a big factor in the playoffs. And it's just uh, it's very Timberwolves ask Chris that the player that they threw in so many so many resources to get will not be available for their first postseason game, and that's pretty much sums it up right there, doesn't it? That's <laughs> this is 
par for the course feels like for for this team and this franchise um you know we'll see we'll see moving forward it it, it is just one game like i said but man um yeah it's gonna have a deep impact i feel like uh on tuesday's game for sure I've talked about it enough already with Royce on Monday. I'm, I'm sure I'll talk a little bit more here, but I want to get your perspectives on just where things sit right now, what we saw, and then uh, we'll get to a few other things as well. I think you saw immediately after the game, the Wolves were trying to go into damage control mode and and trying to turn the page as quickly as possible from this. Um, you know, Mike Conley, uh, after the game, when talking to the reporters that were there said Rudy had mentioned a, you know, had sent the message to the team's group chat. He tweeted out an apology and specifically towards Kyle, who was a team. I think he said it was a teammate that I love and respect um, or something along those lines. So you could see them trying to, trying to move past this, you know, just texting with some people in the organization. I think they're confident that these guys can move on from it. Um, but you never know, you never know what, how feelings or egos will get in the way. Um, one thing I will note is, and I wrote about this, uh, for, uh, Wednesday's, sorry, Tuesday's paper. I can't keep track of the days. (laughs) A lot has happened. Yes. Uh, is Kyle Anderson. This is who he is and who he has been for this team. He is one to call teammates out to not hold back if he has something to say to somebody. Um, and it's part of a of a larger kind of culture that the Wolves are trying to have, what Chris Finch called a kind of a culture of brutal truths. Yeah. And Anderson is one of the, the people who delivers that. Um, it's kind of a no-holds-barred, you know, try not to take this personally. Know that I, I'm coming from a good place when I deliver the message. And it's a tricky line to walk, right? Because you could end up with situations like you had on Sunday. And so for the most part, I think they, they've they been walking this line pretty pretty well for most of the season. And I think Anderson's play and his leadership uh, are one of the main reasons why they're able to be where they are at this point in the season. As you could see, it kind of boiled over on Sunday. Um, but I would encourage people to maybe go read the piece and just yeah. for a little more context on just what Kyle Anderson is to this team, how he operates and, and how other guys have have taken it. Um, you know, there's some insight in there from Nikhil Alexander Walker, um, who's one of the the newer teammates Anderson has and how he got acclimated to having Kyle Anderson kind of deliver these messages to him. Well, one of the ironies, too, though, is that you had Gobert quoted in the story, and <laughs> the the quote was from Saturday, a day before this yes. happened, and the, you know, I'll read the first part of the quote, Kyle wants to win, and sometimes he's a little aggressive in the way he talks, but I don't take it personally. I receive it in a positive way because it comes from a place of wanting to be, wanting me to be the best Rudy I can be and wanting us to win. And then obviously it kind of, it was until it wasn't right. <laughs> that was Saturday. And then a day later, maybe he felt a little different, <laughs> felt a little differently. Um, I, I think if you, know, you, you mouth the words and you read some of the reports of what was said, it, yeah. it, it ventured beyond simply basketball talk for right. a few moments there. And it escalated uh, beyond that. Um, so, but this is, 
this is who they have tried to be as a team. This They have tried to have this culture. And look, we've talked about this in years past where, especially kind of in the Butler era, where it yes. seemed like they weren't really able to do this, right? They weren't able to have this kind of culture because it might hurt people's feelings. Yes. They have been trying to move beyond that. And this iteration of the wolves is trying to instill that. And this is the risk you run when you, when you have that kind of culture. It's not to say it's a bad thing. It's not to say they can't move on from it, but sometimes maybe there is a line that gets crossed. I thought Gobert's apology on Twitter was a good one, but I did think, um, regardless of what was said was doing a lot of work. Like he was saying, you know, Kyle Anderson had a little bit of a hand in this too. And I think that's fair, but it's also was interesting to see that as part of his apology to me. I think, I think both of them are going to have to take, you know, responsibility with each other and probably apologize to each other. Um, And Kyle Anderson, you know, in his comments after the game, he said, you know, he's, he's pretty confident they'll be able to move past it. Um, you know, that's two veterans in the league, two guys who've been around for a while. Um, you, you'd like to think they can move past it. A lot of stuff gets said in the heat of the moment, you know, and guys just need to blow off steam and, and move on from it. Punches don't get thrown in those moments. So no. you never know. You never know how long that's going to linger. And that can't be underestimated here. Um, but given that it is kind of two older guys, two guys who really want to win, who are really competitive. Maybe they can turn the page and turn it quickly. Tell my young children to use their words when words are used (laughs) against them. And uh, it does not sound like Rudy Gobert initially at least used his words to... um, Listen, he was just watching a UFC fight the other night. So, (laughs) I mean, maybe you know, maybe there was a little bit of that uh, in the back of his mind. The thing that I want to move on from this in a minute and get to some Jade McDaniel stuff and get to some big picture stuff. But the thing I can't get past is they had to send him home from a game that was very important. That piece of it is is kind of sticks with me a little bit here yep. as we think about yep. moving forward. Like they, they did not, you know, it was bad enough that they had to say, Rudy, we don't want you here, even though this is a game ostensibly to have two shots at a play-in instead of one. Yep, and when you trade as many draft picks as you do for him, you want that guy available. Um, if he had just sat out with his back spasms yesterday, none of this, none <laughs> I know, of this would have happened. Right? Um, he was battling back spasms going into the game. Yeah, this is, I just think it's surprising that it came from, from these, these two guys, um, I, I, you know, never really, they've had lengthy NBA careers. Something like this has never really happened before, um, for either of them. We, we know Rudy is not one to shy away from sharing his feelings, um, even in the media sometimes, uh, when things aren't going well with a certain team. But to see that was, was I think, out of character and surprising. Um, I thought Conley in my, in my or not in the piece, but after the game, you know, he had an interesting quote, um, I thought, where he said, uh, trying to find it here, Kyle challenges everybody. We know how that works. We have to be able to accept it and move forward. That yeah. was something that Conley said. Um, I think that's that gets at the heart of who this team is. It's like this is who Kyle Anderson is to this team. We have to, you know, make sure we keep that within, uh, you know, our our heads when in in those tight moments like that. Now the Jade McDaniel's thing was, you know, in an, any other universe, any other orbit would have been 
a big, big, big story, and it still is, but it gets a little bit overshadowed because it, you know, it happens. It's it's isolated. It's not as kind of sensationalized as as Gobert and you know Anderson on the bench. But that that's a significant blow, obviously. With you know, and a, a moment, a teachable moment for him, but also a moment that that they've got to be pretty upset with him right now. Huge. Um, you know, I. I we don't know what he was thinking exactly. You know, did he think that there was padding behind that wall in the tunnel there? I, I don't know, but you know, for, for three years of his career, you always, when he came in, when he came into the draft, you always heard about Jaden McDaniels kind of being a, a bit of a hothead on the floor. He got a lot of technical fouls at, at Washington. And I'll say for the first two years of his career in the NBA, you never really saw that manifest itself on the court, at least in yeah. an outward, at least <clears throat> an outwardly demonstrative way. You saw some of that start to emerge this year. He's very fiery. He's very competitive. I don't know if you remember that Golden State game that they won a couple of weeks ago. Um, he was in foul trouble that whole game, and he slammed the ball and got a technical yeah, late, late in late in a close game. Um, so you could see. He's he was letting more emotion out this season than any other season that he's been in the NBA, and it led to what happened yesterday. It's it's unfortunate. That's their best defender. It's a guy who's probably going to be on the off defense team, first or second team. Um, you know, just a huge, huge, huge loss. Uh, no matter how you slice it, he guards everybody, uh, point guards up to power forwards. You know, he's he's so valuable for them because offensive game was really coming along and the playoffs last year were a big growth point for him. He even yeah. said he got more comfortable with his offensive game last year in the playoffs and the playoffs was a big confidence boost for him. And now he's, you know, we don't know how long he's going to be out here. Um, and if it's like a Nas Reed thing where maybe he can come back if they make a deep enough run, but assuming he's not back for the playoffs, you're missing that developmental opportunity for Jaden McDaniels. Um, especially as he heads into, you know, a year where he's going to have some contract negotiations yeah. in the off season. So, you know, a big missed opportunity for, for all involved um, for the team and for, for him individually. Yeah. I want to get into that notion of off season contract stuff and some of the other questions that maybe were, additionally raised on Sunday, but we got to talk about, I mean, the game itself, they come back and win, of course, because that's the Timberwolves this year, right? Like everything seems like it's just falling apart. And then, you know, Towns elevates them. Um, Ant is fantastic down the stretch. I think he had at least, you know, he had four, four blocks and four steals in, in that game, including that huge one on McCollum. So they do get the eight seed, um, you know, not the season they wanted, but they do finish over 500. They do now get two cracks at the play-in starting Tuesday in L.A. Um, Storylines abound there, of course. We'll get to that in a minute. But what what do you make about the rest of the game itself and just the fact that they're able to pull it together, put together a lineup that is one of their better lineups probably with Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince joining, you know, Conley, Towns, and Edwards. And that that lineup does a lot of good work. So does some of their reserve lineup. And it does kind of show they've got some depth, even without McDaniels, Gobert, and still Naz Reed, of course, out as well. I'm not surprised in the least that they won that game after everything that happened yesterday. Right. This is just kind of that it just defines kind of who this team is the the they I, they always do things when you least expect them to yes 
that is that is the mantra and that's both good and bad um so not surprised that they I, I mean everybody thought they're probably going to lose that game after the fight they're down double digits in the first half and of course i th- i thought anthony edwards was brilliant i i really did one of his best moments as a timberwolf was was yesterday um i i thought his defense was just outstanding i couldn't believe all the plays that he made uh, on the defensive end of the floor and that and that's what i think stuns us the most right is it wasn't necessarily his offense it was his defense that that really really shined and he's been good on the ball all year but man did he take it to another level uh yesterday um just just unreal um, so I have no feel for what's going to happen Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Right. None. Zero. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Um, you know, you look on paper and you think Anthony Davis, LeBron James at home, you know, hard to pick against the Lakers. Right. But again, this Wolves team does things when you least expect them to do things. And that's a veteran laden lineup. Uh, Torian Prince has started to play a lot better these last couple of games here. He seems to be over the the illness and whatever else was was affecting him uh, over the last couple of weeks here. Anderson has been solid all year. Carl really got going offensively. One of his best offensive games since he's been back, I felt like, was yesterday. Yeah. And Ant looks like he's ready for, for the spotlight. So I I have no feel for what's going to happen Tuesday, or Tuesday night. Absolutely none. Yeah, and it's you know it's important. Obviously, you you don't want to have to use your second try, even though that would be a home game. And you know, I think if we're looking at it just on balance, I I do think that you probably still would rather play Memphis than Denver in a in a playoff series. Denver has been the West's best team all year, I think. And and mm. no, Memphis is very good, and they they but they played a competitive. Memphis is also coming in a little banged up. Yeah, um, you know, no Stephen Adams, no Brandon Clark, who was the killer of that series last year. So Memphis, the Wolves will be coming and banged up to that series, but so will Memphis if they're able to to play Memphis. And obviously LA has the storyline of this is the team they that they ostensibly made the big trade with at the deadline, one of the partners at least. And so D'Angelo Russell there, uh, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, a lot of those guys um, have been uh, at least a, a, a decent part of the second half success. The Lakers, I think they had the best record in the West post break, like 17 and six. So they've been rolling pretty good and even survived some of that time without LeBron. And, you know, the Lakers get some, some rest, at least a little bit of rest going into that game. So just the, the amount of storylines, we, we don't need more storylines, but there's plenty of storylines going into that game. Too many to keep track of. <laughs> this will be the sixth time this season that Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt have faced uh, the Timberwolves. That's amazing. A year after being on the team last <laughs> year. And That's amazing. They were, and they were about 30 minutes away from playing them a seventh time on trade deadline day. So Wow. <laughs> By this time, it's almost old hat that that you know Vanderbilt and Beasley are are facing the Wolves. Um, maybe it was good for for all involved that they had that game at Target Center uh, the other day because you get kind of the awkwardness with D'Lo coming back out of the way, and now maybe this time you can just kind of just get out there and play, and you know you're over all the all the initial awkwardness that can happen. You know, when when a, a guy who was that important to your team for a long time was suddenly on the other side. Let's finish with some big picture stuff. I'm I'm writing about this right now. This certainly is posted now on StarTribune.com after the you know we were recording on on Monday. Um, 
does does any of what happened Sunday? I'm of the mind that what happened Sunday, while maybe uh, you know something that happens in the NBA and in a little bit of a a one off to a certain degree that they can move past. I do wonder if it made a a potentially complicated off season even more complicated. And by by that I mean I think they were facing a lot of interesting roster decisions just based on how this year went deciding whether they're going to keep this whole thing intact for a second year and kind of use this as a, a learning process and that the towns was gone for so much of this season and see if they could just kind of run it back. But, you know, if you were of the mind that one of these bigs needs to go because it's just not working with both of them in the lineup and you were of the mind that it was, it was time to trade cat. Like I'm kind of of the mind of right now. Uh, do you feel the same way after what happened yesterday is go bear the big, you want to pair with and you've got Anderson under, under contract one more year next year. He's been a huge glue guy for them. And he's really kept them together in a lot of ways. And like you wrote about is such a, a leader and kind of the, the, the leader of that kind of brutal truths pack, but, but can he co- coexist with some of their, their big players, McDaniels with the extension? Did he do damage to that? Did they think of him differently? Do you trust Connolly to sort all this out? I mean, there's just a lot, a lot, a lot of pieces <laughs> that were already there that I feel got exacerbated a bit on Sunday. If you're taking the 30,000 foot view, I tend to not think you're going to see major shakeups in terms of cat go bear immediately here this this offseason um that's just my gut feeling on that i don't think they've had enough time to truly evaluate how this pairing works long term um i don't think the number of games they've played has been enough i don't think they've had carl at 100 percent even when he has been back so i tend to think that they're not going to pull the plug on this immediately. Now ask me this question a year from now, and I might have a different answer for you, Um, especially because there's going to be some financial considerations that they have to uh, take into account with all these big contracts coming on the books for the 2024, 25 season. I tend to think that, that from a big picture view, the too big experiment is not going to change much here. I don't, I have no feel for how is Kyle Anderson and are Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert going to be able to coexist long-term. I have no feel for that right now in this moment, you know, less than 24 hours after they right. had that altercation. Hard to say. Um, as for other contract issues, I still think Jaden McDaniels is a important long-term piece for this and he's going to get paid. I don't think yesterday did too much damage to what they're going to give him. Uh, it's a learning moment to be sure, but I don't think it's going to ding his value too much going forward. Um, Nas Reed will be one of the more intriguing parts of this. The, I, I'm, the Wolves want him back. I know that. Um, whether or not he's going to come back is another matter. So we'll see how we'll see how that plays out. That's going to be, to me, one of the more interesting parts of their offseason is whether he comes back or not. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. Maybe final question here, too, is just kind of thinking a little bit ahead. I mean, let's say they get through the play-in like they did last year, whether it's you know via the Lakers or by winning the next one after that. Um, is this a team that you can really see doing damage in, in the playoffs? Because I, I, I 
sometimes can see it just because they do have they got this they have the second best record in the West against teams with winning records. So they they play up. They, their problem has been playing down. So that that to me says this is a team that can at least be competitive in a playoff series, but are they consistent enough, I guess, to really threaten to win a series against a really good team? Well, I think that's you just hit the nail on the head. I don't think they're consistent enough to to win a series. I think they could maybe take a series six games. You know, if they if they if they play Denver in round one, I could see them going six games with Denver. But I think Denver is just too consistent, too well rounded um, in a series like that to to really ball to the Wolves. I think the Wolves have proven that they're just the more inconsistent and mistake prone team at the worst possible moments. Yes. Um, so I would not pick them in any, probably not pick them in any series that they have. Memphis would be a really fun series. I, they ha- they'd have a better shot of winning that in my book. Um, but again, I, until, until they do it, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it with this team. That's, that's kind of where I'm at when it comes to postseason and important games like that. And sometimes with the wolves, even when you see it, you don't believe it like the, <laughs> like happened Sunday. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens on, uh, on Tuesday and beyond. One thing I know for sure, Chris Hine will be covering it and we'll be covering it. Well, follow his coverage. Start that's assuming that's assuming Delta gets me where I need to be. <laughs> Well, you're you're already you're already in LA, so we know you're good for LA. Yes, we know you're yeah. good for the uh, the first one. And there's more <laughs> flights out of LA back to Minneapolis than I presume there were out of Austin, Texas. So this is true. I think you'll make it. Uh, I think you'll make it okay, and uh, we'll be all right. But yes, you're right. Travel issues notwithstanding, uh, we're, we're hoping to uh, to have you covering all of the meaningful games the rest of the way. And uh, appreciate it as always, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mike. Always appreciate Chris Hine coming on, talking Wolves with me. Uh, it's kind of funny. I, I got an email Monday from one of the, I'd say like 20% of listeners who don't like Patrick Royce, 80% love him, and that's kind of the perfect ratio, I think, if you're a columnist. You want strong opinions. You want people to mostly like you, but you have you can have your your detractors as well. But they say he was saying basically, um, get Chris Hine on. I want to hear more about the Wolves from someone uh, on the beat, not Roycey. So here you go. That was Chris Hines' take on what is going on right now. And obviously the big thing is Rudy Gobert not going to be playing tonight. Is that the right decision by the team? I honestly don't think so. I think maybe this is maybe a step too far for an isolated incident. But what I don't know is what else has happened behind the scenes. Is this a one-off or is this something that's been brewing for the whole year? Has there been other stuff behind the scenes? Has there, is, is this the kind of a cumulative effect where they're saying, we got to sit you down now to send a message that whatever's been going on, not just in the last 24, 48 hours, but for the whole season or for part of the season, that's not acceptable. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case, but it feels to me like a a suspension in a postseason game. Um, if you're going to do that, then it's got to be more than what we saw on uh, more than what we saw on Sunday. And again, I don't know what all is going on behind the scenes, even on Sunday. So there could be more to the story, but that just strikes me as interesting. And like I asked Chris, like I've raised um, on, on on the blog on Ramball, like this makes the offseason more complicated. Is is Rudy Gobert? A problem is this going to be something where you have to make a decision about how your roster is going to look going forward? If you thought, "Hey, this isn't working with with Gobert and, and Carl Anthony Towns," something's got to happen. If you were thinking Towns got to go, what what happens now? Who who goes now? What what do you do? How do you smooth this over in the off season? And do you trust 
Tim Connolly to make those decisions. I, it's a fascinating offseason whenever it arrives, and uh, I don't know I don't know what to do if I'm them, but they've got a lot of difficult decisions. Maybe some of what happens in the postseason will bring us some clarity. I sure hope so, and I'm sure going to be watching tonight against the Lakers. Let's finish with the cooler. A couple quick things. The Wild did win. Looks like they're going to be locked in pretty quick here, though, to that number three spot in the Central Division playing a road playoff series. Notable in this, though, they rested a lot of guys, tried to get healthy. Brock Faber, the former Gopher, made his debut right from the uh, right from the college ranks into the NHL. This is not uncommon necessarily, but he looked very good. He looked like he did not miss anything in that transition. Wild rally to win 4-2, keep themselves alive at least for more than just a third-place finish in the Central, but it's going to take some pretty good work in these last couple games and a lot of help from either Colorado or Dallas to change that narrative. Twins, uh, by the way, lose their game um, to the White Sox 4-3. to Not much offense, again, taking advantage of some gifts from the White Sox, but not getting enough offense to win. Carlos Correa missing the second straight game with some back, back spasms, back tightness. Watch for that one. Those things linger as a year goes on. Hopefully that's not a long-term thing, but... Anytime you hear someone say it could be a couple days, I always start adding up the days. It's been two so far. How many will it be till he's back in, and how long will he be back in for? Is this going to be the kind of thing that's going to keep him in and out of the lineup all season long? Sure hope not, because they are much better when he is in. Obviously, lost the last two without him. They were they were up. They were rolling pretty good when he was in. So we'll see how long it takes Carlos Correa to get back in the lineup. That will do it for me today. Should be plenty of basketball talk coming off of that Lakers-Wolves play-in game tomorrow. Also going to have some Vikings talk. It's been a while since we talked Vikings, so look for that on Wednesday's show as well. That's it for me. I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again tomorrow.